Hiya, it's me, Megan Ruth Wilkins, um, and you are here listening to Catching Up with Megan Ruth. And today's episode is going to be about grief. Um, There's definitely many different ways that we deal with grief and definitely different things that we grieve throughout our lives. And there's definitely many times that I've tried to record this episode, but I've been in so many different stages of grief that they just sound way too sad to want to publish. So here we are in a better state of mind with a bit more clarity, and I'm really ready to catch up with this uh, topic. (laughs) Thanks for stopping by. Let me go grab a cup. Would you like some? All right, give me just a moment. Now grief, it is a hard topic. There's no easy way to start it, and there's no easy subject on grief that is easy to talk about. There's so many different things that we grieve, and I've grieved having to come back to America. I've had to grieve the that life in America has changed since I left. And I've had to grieve the loss of being a student and not having that environment that made me feel safe to cultivate ideas um, with a safety net and always someone there to help push ideas that I might think are a little too big for my own britches. But, you know, it's it's about learning how to find those or create those in in your current life or your future, wherever you're at in the universe. So, before I get caught up in talking about, uh, oh, the student life, um, let's go talk about the different theories of grief, the different models of grief. Now, when we look at grief, I think we all kind of understand uh, the collective definition of grief. That that it is a reaction to a loss. It's a feeling of deep sorrow, especially one caused by someone's death or misery or sadness. The loss of a bond and affection. I mean, it's pretty universal, because every beginning has an end. Everyone grieves differently. Yet, 
there's still so many expectations to grieving. When you lose a loved one, I feel like the universe and society around you kind of has a, a timer set for how long you have to grieve for that. Because really, in the capitalistic world we have, we don't have time. We can't afford to grieve the losses that we have. So in some ways, it's it's a daily reminder to of the of the things that we are held captive by. We can't even we can't even grieve the stages of loss through life because we can't afford to. And that's another echoing philosophy of things that I don't really want to get too into, but it it is something that kind of revolves around my brain quite often. But let's dive into it. Let's look at first the Kubler-Ross model. That's the the big main main drains that we look at when it comes to the five stages of grief. You have your denial stage where you just can't believe that they're gone or that something's gone. You have the anger stage that if only they would have taken better care of themselves. If only something would have been different. But then you have the bargaining. Because anger is more at the, that, the subject, the loss, the, the thing that is gone. And then the next one is bargaining where you think to yourself that, you know, if I would have done something different, if I... I could have prevented this. So you bargain with yourself of all the things you could have done to do better the situation. And then you have the depression stage, which, I mean, you're trying to figure out what life is like now um, without, without them, without being a student. What is life like now not being in another country? What is life like not being an international student? And then you have your last stage, which is, which is acceptance. You know, you, you come to that conclusion of, you know, I'm so fortunate to have had these wonderful times to make these wonderful memories. And when my dad passed, this model didn't seem relative to me anymore because this was something that I looked to when I was trying to go through my stages or understanding the stages of grief or why I might have felt de depressed being back in America because I had all these reasons like all the losses that I've that I'm trying to get over and also catch up with the losses of family and of normality and then coming into a pandemic it's just <laughs> It's a cacophony of things, in a way. But the Kubler-Ross model just never has set well with me. Because when my dad passed, I felt all of those stages all at once. I could feel them all in like a 30 second span of time. And I didn't understand how it could be stages, because... Uh, when it comes to grief, when it comes to relationships, time's relative because that relationship still exists in your mind. And when you have 
complicated relationships. Uh, it complicates grief. And you know, that's, that's a subject that needs to be dug into a bit more, but I don't want to go into that personal side of, of, of complicated grief. But what I do want to share is the other models of grief that are out there because there's more than just one and there's more than just two. It's You have the ability to understand what you're going through in, in more than one perspective and I want to bring that to you. So let's look at another model, which is a seven stage model. When this Kubler-Ross was being a bit updated throughout time, because Kubler-Ross was brought out in the 70s. So throughout time, as people did research on grieving, they found that some of these, some of these stages can be easily paired up, um, especially when you look at the time, when you look at duration of time and how we grieve throughout time, especially the, the closest of losses that we have. Um, so when you have denial, you have, it looks at denial as also the shock and denial. You also have anger paired up with bargaining. You have your pain paired with guilt. You go straight to depression, but then, well, let's, I think I, I, I set it up wrong. So you have shock and denial, then pain and guilt, anger bargaining, depression, and then the upward turn, which leads into the reconstruction and working through the grief. And finally, you come to the acceptance and hope. I didn't really write too much into that. Um, I feel like everyone can look at these, these stages in a different way than just those five um, and understand the complexities behind these feelings and how time how time molds them in, in different ways I'm still I still have culture shock um, being back in America mainly because I, I lived um I didn't realize the normality of life that I'd picked up in in the UK that I just acclimated and adjusted to. And then coming back here and realizing how much more of a struggle it is to just merely exist. Um, and then the worries that come with uh, not of being able to afford to navigate in, in a world that I had just spent the last five years gaining tools and skills to navigate in a better way. And I feel like I've come back to a country, uh, my homeland, and it has done so much damage to its citizens that I don't even, I don't even know where to begin to, to grieve because I don't even know what all I've lost. I know that I've, I've lost some sort of freedom and liberty that comes with the this citizenship 
of sorts. Um, <laughs> before things get too sad, I swear I love being American. <laughs> Maybe it's just the accent. Who knows? There's also this really interesting two-track model of bereavement that Simon Shinshin Rubin had came up with um, in 1981 when they were looking at the long-term effects of grief. They looked, they found that it's for the individual to manage and live in reality in which the deceased is absent. So when they looked at the first track of, of your model, of, of, so you're like, when you're grieving, you have, you're on two tracks of what they're saying. That one, one track you're looking at your bio, psychosocial functioning of grief. So, the, the biological reactions that you're having, um, which will affect how you grieve, especially the hormonal um, interactions, um, different ways your body is digesting food. These, the, the, the social aspects of anxiety, somatic, um, traumatic responses. Um, also, you have to look at your familial relationships interpersonal relationships, your current self-esteem, meaning structure, work, investment, and life tasks. Because these, on this track, affect your, your bereavement. Um, extremely stressful life events require adaption along with change and integration. So let's look at track two. Um, track two focuses on the ongoing relationship between the griever and the deceased. So while you're having to deal with the onslaught of your biological, your psychological, your social um, interactions and how that's affecting your grieving process, you're also having to figure out you, the, the relationship between you and the loss. And I find that far more relatable because when you lose a parent, there's so many legalities, bureaucracies, and familial expectations, societal expectations, that you don't even realize people have an expectation of what you're supposed to do, what you're supposed to know to do, for everyone to be happy. And if you mess that up, you might potentially mess up your ability to grieve properly because that can mess up relationships. So your track, your first track, right? So you can barely even get to focusing on the second track. So, I mean, you have like these two competing, um, streetcars almost when they should it should be one streetcar on one track um, and there's just two rails that's 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 how I take it this is this is how I'm taking these things to mean for me and this is how I'm taking it to ingrate integrate it into my life 
and into the way I'm trying to learn to grieve <laughs> in a more productive way. One thing I did come across when trying to research the different types of grieving models and healing models was if you just allowed yourself to believe that there was only five stages of grief, then you're not allowing yourself to the space to feel all the other complicated things, to experience all the other complicated things without guilt. No one can prepare you for these types of losses. And you'll never know what you're capable of until you experience these things. I've spent many a days in bed I've spent many afternoons crying. Well, I guess not even afternoons. I've spent many days and the hardest part for me figuring out who I am that isn't influenced, um, restricted, or defined by someone else. People say to live a life that makes your parents proud. But sometimes, you know, your parents have certain expectations that the things that make you proud of yourself won't technically make them proud. And that's okay. the thing to remember when it comes to grieving is that the one thing that one of a, a great neighbor um, reminded me was that um, I needed to take the time to appreciate this journey because grief is a beautiful journey if you allow it to be it's you, you can't <laughs> feel guilty um, for any of the feelings that you feel um, because my first one was relief I felt so I felt so bad about that but knowing the history like you would have to know the history of me and my dad's relationship to understand why and this is something that I've anticipated for the last 10 years and this is something that is I didn't think that um, 
I would come back to America with him still being alive. I thought that he would pass while I was still in the UK, so before I left America, I made sure to say my goodbyes and to have a good, good closure just in case. I don't want to share too much because I don't I don't want my story to be um, victimized um, or weaponized at all. So I want to focus <laughs> this episode more on giving you guys tools and dealing with the grief that you might have because. We've all dealt with so much in the last two years, and there's so many things that I feel like we've learned to become powerless to. We've lost our voices, and I, and I feel like grief, when we're stuck in it, um, it reinforces the, that quiet. I'm, ti- I'm tired of, of I'm tired of grieving I'm tired of grieving alone but I'm also tired of grieving because these losses that keep happening on a large scale I just it's not right it can't I, I don't want it to happen anymore so um, let's look at let's look at some other angles of perspective so another model that we look can look at is the four tasks of mourning uh, which warden came out with in 2008 uh, he they had stated that each Need needs to be completed, but there is not an order or amount of time that it will take. So, for your grieving processes, you'll need to find acceptance that the loss has occurred. You'll also need to start working through the pain of the grief need to adjust to life without deceased and you'll have to start a new life while still maintaining a connection with the deceased that one I feel like <laughs> this is the one thing that annoys me when you start doing when I start getting into research how so many of these models kind of the same but just have different wording kind of like our legislation um but it's just enough change that they can be published (laughs) that was so mean um you also have a reconstruction model that looks at how to adjust to the alien place you find yourself in when someone dies or losing that sense of identity of change of a place in the world constructivism 
by R. Neymeyer. It's about making meaning by assimilating and accommodating to the loss. See, I like that. I feel like it's all about, our, our lives are all about reconstruction. Because again, with every beginning, it comes an end. Um, we have chapters in our lives, right? They are terrifying to think about, but do we even realize that there's been a new chapter with until we look back and realize that we finished the last one? Like the new one isn't it doesn't even occur to us that we're in a new chapter until we have a glance back at the past. I just think that's a really interesting way to <laughs> look at um, time and challenging changes and chapters. <laughs> and then you have this cool dual process model of grieving. Um, strobe and shoot. I feel like I learned this in uni. Um, I think that's where I got it from my notes. Uh dual process model of grieving loss orientation feelings of loss sorry I'm going through my notes and <laughs> I don't think I've been through this in a while um, loss orientation feelings of loss um, looking back you had the restoration orientation looking forward reestablishing roles and activities prior to death okay that makes sense, yeah. So the dual process model of grieving looks at um, you're set in two different spaces. Well, you're set in time. You're looking at time and your place in time. So you're looking back and you're looking forward. And you're establishing yourself within that. So you have your loss orientation, um, where your feelings of loss are. So you're looking back and then you, ha but within that, loss orientation you're also recognizing where your orientation is looking forward by re-establishing who you are and getting back into those roles and activities and things that you were you were doing and the, the makings of makes and creatings of the creates that you were doing before the loss which is what I'm doing now so I mean, I think by Strobe and Shoot's uh, standards, I, th I think we're doing pretty good right now. <laughs> if I might say so myself. Um, so yeah, I don't want to <laughs> string you along for too long, but let's look back at some of the things that we talked about. We know now. The Kubler-Ross model, the five stages of loss, or the five stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance are not the only ways to look at grief, right? You have the seven stages, you have the two-track model of bereavement, you have the restoration model, four tasks of mourning, and the dual process model of grieving, like, those are just the ones that I wrote down. There's definitely many more that you could go through. And really, when it comes to grieving, if you want to find out more about grieving, this is a great place to start. Um, there's <laughs> there's some stuff that I found when it came to Freud 
I didn't want to get into it. Really weird. It goes into more spiritualist stuff. And, you know, sometimes Freud doesn't need to have his have his voice out there because he's his voice has been out there enough and you know I'm more of a Jungian um, so <laughs> but I really appreciate y'all um, coming with me on this journey I know that I've gone on my little tangents of things but I hope that somewhere you have found a new way of looking at loss of grieving uh, one thing that my counselor is consistently telling me every week is that Grief is where we found, where, where we find our most powerful selves. And once we get out of the stage, like we, we become, if we allow ourselves, we, we come out of the grief stronger and with more um, drive than we had before. And that's all I really want out of, out of my grief journey. Um, out of my journey through the different perspectives of grief, the different things that have brought me to grieve, um, they still hold very strong um, control over my daily life, and it is a process, it is work to pick myself up every day but yeah, that's Ooh. when you're still in the midst of a pandemic and you feel isolated in the midst of all of it it's really hard to find a community that you can um, feel supported by and coming back to Arkansas has brought about um, a great serendipitous uh, reunion of of people that are from different parts of my timeline and come with different perspectives of my life, which has been really interesting. Um, I'm excited to be back in a town in a house where I've fought. For 10 years to get out of, to be now brought back um, in, a, in a political climate that is very discouraging and all I can do is sit on my hands so hard because I want to get the ball rolling. I want to run for office. I'm going to do this. Maybe this is a this is a spark, and my grief is about to turn into this huge ball that's about to be released downhill, and it's about to go. And we're gonna go, and we're gonna do this, and we're gonna make this place better than we found it. Yeah, <laughs> good grief. Let's get something done. I love you guys. Thank you so much for stopping by and having a couple with me and listening to my stories and research on grief. I truly hope that you found something insightful and some great perspective to help for you use in the future or even currently. I know that being an American right now is not easy. Being a human is not easy. But you 
you made it. You woke up this morning and for some reason you still keep breathing. <laughs> That's exciting. Let's see what we can do in the future. I can't wait to work with you guys. Um, give me, send me a message. Let me know what kind of research you're working on. Let me know what excites you. What is pushing you to keep from getting overwhelmed with the avalanche of bureaucratic and legislative just chaos. Either way, be safe, have fun, make good choices. I love you. Bye! Thank you.